I wish I had somebody doing that to me in my um, in my business and entrepreneurial life by every time I see a shining object, yeah. just slapping me and saying, no, <laughs> look at the goal. <laughs> Let's continue to make progress towards that. Yeah. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another um, episode of Ponder Project Radio. I'm your host, Andrew Nonberg, and today uh, my co-host is Andy Wolf. What's up, guys? I'm happy to have you you all here. Um, today we're going to do our part two of Thinking About Thinking. Um, this is a multi-part series um, about thinking and how it can impact the betterment of your life, and, and hopefully not the opposite um, if you're not thinking, hopefully it's not moving things the other way. But um, I'll let Andy a little, uh, do a little recap of and a rundown of what we did last time, and then we'll dive into the content for today. Yeah, so if you haven't caught the last episode, um, I recommend listening to it uh, coming into this episode. We talked a lot about uh, the importance of thinking and just dove into a little bit of why people don't think about thinking and the importance of thinking about thinking and gave a little bit of tactical advice on how to learn about yourself, learn about how you think. And then we discussed a little bit on just how much value that can add to your life and to your business. So now we're going to get into a little bit of more tactical stuff. And today we'll be talking about integrative thinking. Um, I'm excited about this. I have used this idea or concept um, for probably six or seven years now. In the consulting work that I do, um, I first learned about it um, from a mentor of mine, and he was very, very adamant that this is something that anyone in a management role um, should do daily, mm -hmm. and um, I have used it more on a larger scale, so working with organizations in their ability to navigate big um, organizational change. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna dive into integrative thinking, and then um, kind of go through what it means to integrate that into into your business, how you can apply it personally. Um, the neat thing about it is it doesn't have to be um, just for business people or corporate people or entrepreneurs. Um, this works really really well um, at home too. So uh, Mandy and I use it quite a bit um, when we evaluate problems or if we encounter something that we feel like we're both on opposite ends of, mm -hmm. of the spectrum on where we want to go with things, we use this um, idea or this um, concept of integrating, integrative thinking to, to navigate that. So, so typically what, what happens in decision making or when we find ourselves facing a dilemma or a problem or, um, geez, even conflict, we operate, we have this mental model that we have to operate in an either-or capacity. So the outcome has to be one or the other. Um, what integrative thinking does is it forces you to um, get out of that framework or that mental model and incorporate all the various options. Um, it works really, really well in small groups because it allows you to get unique perspectives. So you want to be able to get that diverse input of other people's ideas uh, and that allows you to see sort of this broad path of different avenues or different paths that you can take to solve a particular problem. Yeah. Yeah. And what integrative thinking does not look like is most of us are yeah. trained in our careers, in our education, our schooling, 
and even our um, relationships to kind of become specialists. So yeah. um, many of us may work in a capacity that's very functional. Um, I, for instance, prior to this was an accountant, um, it, as functional as it gets. Uh, you're just an expert technician in one area. And I mean, we can obviously see the pitfalls of that as you think in one dimension, uh, you know your stuff very well, but it's very deleterious to your ability to be able to step back and look at an organization as a whole, a relationship as a whole, or even a life as a whole. Interesting. I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. Do you, do you have any actual examples of using integrative thinking? Yeah, I mean, you hear um, in business school where we're just banged over the head with the term cross-functional team. And that was kind of that was one thing I appreciated about um, my master's program was how we were so encouraged to approach things from, from an integrative standpoint. For my uh, capstone yeah, consulting yeah. project, for example, we worked with a um, retailer down in Lincoln, an online retailer. And uh, for the project, I had an accounting background. We had another guy with a marketing background. We had a guy who was um, in another facet of financial services. We had people with no college degrees. We had uh, graphic designers. And our job was to combine all of our strengths, kind of step back and not think that we yeah. were exactly right, <laughs> yeah. and um, apply and find a creative solution using the best kind of fruit from each of our areas yeah that's interesting so that that leads to kind of the thing that i always think about is and at least my own fault or, or i don't i hope it's not just limited to me um and i'm just the only flawed person out there but but what typically my brain tries to do is when i encounter an issue or a problem i'm trying to solve um there's tension mm -hmm. and i try to get away from that tension as quickly as possible and that just usually means picking Pick one, one or the other yep. Where this this concept sort of forces you to embrace the tension or at the very least accept that it exists and like you were saying, use different perspectives or unique views to open your eyes a little bit more, I guess would be the um, thing I think is interesting because it positions you to see things differently. One thing I typically um, see or I ha in the past I saw a lot of is if someone would bring me in to say, you know, we're trying to grow this part of our business or growth has stalled in our sales department or whatever the case may be, you get in there and it typically looks a little bit like this. So the manager is plateaued probably for a number of different reasons, but he's, he's typically not communicating well with his team. Mm -hmm. um, and that's due to a number of different factors, but it's, typically gets hostile, specifically in sales organizations and high growth businesses, it gets hostile because there's so much pressure from the outside for that particular group to move. So mm -hmm. they just have to sell, sell, sell. And when they they get in a tough spot, the manager just, manager just starts to making quick reactive decisions. Mm -hmm. um, and they're typically not in the best interest of him or herself or the organization because he's got that pressure to move fast. But he's typically making the wrong decision because he's making it without really thinking. He's just reacting to something. Um, and, and that typically is a, is a bias that we'll get into, um, I think, next, next go-round on this. Um, but do you have any, any thoughts around how managers um, or entrepreneurs or parents or, or whatever um, operate in that sort of just reactive 
mindset? Yeah, yeah. I think throughout our entire lives, we were just kind of conditioned to optimize, uh, which yeah. is finding the ideal trade-off between A and B, yeah. especially in a high-pressure situation like what you're talking about versus stepping back. Um, being able to look at choice A and B, decide that neither of them are best for the organization, and come up with creative alternatives, implementing the best attributes of both of those choices. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's kind of ingrained in us to try to get a problem off of our plate quickly, like you said, and take what may be the optimal choice, but does not necessarily yield the greatest benefit long term. Yeah, so I... I think for me, I can use it as an example of something I have struggled with often, and I've had many conversations with people about how to break through this or get out of this idea, but you sort of construct a worldview in your own head mm -hmm. of what's right because you want it to fit your needs. Yeah. You know? Um, I don't know what the term of that is or if that's a business term or a philosophy term or whatever it is, but, but for me, I construct this ideal world and then I f try to force problems or even solutions into that mm -hmm. um, and that's often I think a product of entrepreneurship because you work alone a lot mm -hmm. and you're, your head's down you're trying to plow through this stuff and you've got a goal in sight but this helps you avoid that because you can get yourself in a lot of trouble by putting a, an endpoint up on the map or on the road or the black or the whiteboard um, or whatever the heck you use in your in, in your um, business or your life, and then just saying at all costs, I'm just going to do whatever it takes to get there, mm -hmm. get to that endpoint. And for me, I'll find myself the longer it's taking me to solve a problem, or the more difficult it is as the road gets. That's where I really notice once I step back. I don't know if it's if it's a an imagination thing or just a simple construct, but then all of a sudden I'm like, the last week of work was worthless because. My view on it was so flawed. I was just trying to get to the end at all costs. Yeah, isn't that a funny, funny way that integrative thinking comes into your life? Um, yeah. I run into that experience all the time, and I feel like by kind of living in your own world and not really working in a team, you can end up going through long periods where you don't really make any progress or you may think that you're making sure. progress. And then just finding one advisor who gives you some wisdom in a 10 minute conversation can really, sure. really make it feel like weeks or months or years were not meaningless, but spent very inefficiently leading up to that. I find myself in that every day. So whether it's parenting, business, personal, whatever it is, I, at the end of the day, if I think back on how the day went or how the last week went, I think that's a common theme in my life um, that I think slowing down and thinking and I know it seems so cliche to just to keep saying, you know, if you would have thought about this more or contemplated it more or made space for it. Um, but I think it's it's valuable in, I don't think it would have eliminated the yeah. distractions or the mistakes, but it would have allowed me to see them much sooner. The one thing I maybe, I, I always seem to circle back to Andy's other world, the nutrition, wellness, and, and health um, aspect of his um, life. But I think that's a common thing, or I don't think, I, I see it personally, um, and I see, I see other people go through it, but they, I don't know if they grab onto the headline of the day, mm -hmm. um, and I always equate that to business. So when I see people failing in their own personal lives with whatever it is, it can be something small, um, maybe they misinterpreted something, I always think about 
has that happened to me in business and or is that going to happen to me in business? Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I see a lot in your um, other industry that people will see something on Facebook and they'll say, that's the next thing. Mm -hmm. And they don't consider anything other than the flashy stuff that's presented to them. They may know that that's not the answer. Yeah. Um, but they still just run for 60 days and at the end of it, they're like, that didn't work. Yeah. Or you know what I mean? Yeah. And then in my role as a strength and conditioning coach, one of the my favorite rules to live by is that the goal is to keep the goal the goal. That's keep the goal the goal. That's something that I'm really bad at. Um, but we spent a little bit of time this weekend. Well, not a little bit of time. A Turn lot of time. Um, in about a 72-hour period, we spent, a, spent most of that time working on you know, our business and other people's businesses. And there was one common theme for, I think, everybody there, at least for Andy and I, um, and what we're working on um, at the Potter Project was it's fine to have these multiple interests mm -hmm. and build multiple things or be talented in multiple facets or whatever it is, but there still has to be this intentionality behind what you're building. So one thing we're doing here from a thought or deep thinking perspective is we're going to get really, really, not we're going to get, we are getting really granular on one idea for a short amount of time, but we're kind of going all hands on deck on that one thing, Yeah. work on it for the duration, come up for air and evaluate, do we need to do that again? Or is it in a place that it's grown that we can sort of hand it over to a manager per se um, and move on to the next thing? Um, how do you see this integrative thinking working in that model? Man, it's a it's a cool it's a really cool thing. This I mean, it's it's an adaptation of the Google Sprint model. Yeah, and it's it's forcing us to see integrative thinking work in light speed. I mean, we we were going about sixty five of those seventy two hours, right? And you couldn't have asked for a more diverse group of people, really, right. to right. be in one group in one room. We were receiving input on our ideas. We were providing input on other people's ideas, and especially at the round table where we had a really intensive kind of mastermind, uh, just bang, 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 go session. Yeah. We were getting some very creative solutions uh, coming out of people's mouths to, to problems right. that had been holding up people for a long time. Yeah. And, and that the round table was, was an interesting thing for me because I hadn't been part of one that um, went as aggressively is not the best word to use but where someone only had a set amount or a limited amount of time to explain their business and present their problem. Mm -hmm. um, here we did it in seven minute increments. So there was about 20 people there. So it still, it took a, a great amount of time to get through everybody, but it forced people to get, get pretty darn specific in that seven minutes. If Andy presented his business and his problem in, in three minutes, that means the difference was left to the re to the rest of the table to offer solutions and provide insight. So the clearer you could get um, and the quicker you could get to that clarity, the more time you have. But I think on average, people got through in about three to four minutes. And so you had three or four minutes of, of feedback. Mm -hmm. And the amount of um, feedback people were giving in those 180 seconds was fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I think it's in large part because everybody was so dang different. Um, you know, we had people from, you know, craftspeople with physical products in an e-commerce situation all the way to super seasoned business consultants 
with you know 30 years of, of experience behind mm -hmm. them looking at these problems from such different viewpoints um, and I think you're right I think that makes the value what it is because they see things so differently and they can even if even, the thing that I thought was really surprising and and I think even the most valuable was I got some um, insight from someone I'm not going to take her advice and do it, mm -hmm. but it got me thinking about something else. And so now I'm sort of, because of that advice, which it was good advice, it just it wasn't something I'm going to do for whatever, for a lot of different reasons, but it puts me on a path that I wouldn't be on had she not viewed my problem the way she did, you know? Yeah. So it's amazing. It's, it really is. Um, but I think it's it all goes back to that tension that if you can come to terms and get comfortable with tensions okay, mm -hmm. especially in this scenario. Like there's other parts of your life I know tension's probably not ideal. But here, I mean, if you've got um, the ability to give yourself the runway to embrace the tension and evaluate all the possible solutions, um, I think you're going to find um, a lot of innovation happening, um, which innovation means growth. I mean, so whatever you're trying to do, you know, you're going to find yourself accelerating instead of instead of just reacting. So I always think about things. There's all these different things we're going to talk about in this series. But I always think about, is it is the needle moving forward or is it moving backwards? Mm -hmm. And if you're just constantly reacting without much thought, that needle just sort of just stays. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Where here, um, I don't think I've ever encountered a scenario where when this is all said and done, that that needle isn't drastically ticking forward, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I kind of wanted to touch on um, a large-scale example that probably yeah, everybody will recognize of integrative thinking that I couldn't stop thinking about as we were discussing this. And it's the old, if you've read the book Blue Ocean Strategy, you definitely remember their discussion on Cirque du Soleil. And oh, yeah. I think that's just such an excellent example of um, integrative thinking because they took the circus model, which by the time they entered the business was as old as time, Looking at it not through the integrative lens, you had the options of getting bigger stars and paying them a higher salary, uh, building flashier venues, getting more animals, doing more dangerous stunts. Yeah. Those were your options uh, looking through a classic decision-making model. However, the founders of Cirque du Soleil, and I can't remember his name, they decided to take the tension from their in initial investors. There was pressure to wow. make a successful sure. company, but they knew that trying to be a better circus wasn't going to get them anywhere. So they had to, they had to think about how they could t take the best attributes of A and B and come up with a creative solution. And their solution was to eliminate the major expenses, the star performers, the expensive animals, the venues that they hosted the circuses in. Sure. They decided to target a different audience, which was people who would typically go to musicals or operas who wanted wow. a quality show. And they just took this model and completely flipped it on its head and created an enormously successful enterprise that's led the market for 20 years. And P.T. Barnum actually went out of business during this time. And I think that's just such a great example of what can be achieved if you're willing to take a step back and look at how things can be done a little bit differently. Wow, I didn't know. I mean, I had, I had read that and I'd heard that story, but I hadn't really thought about it from an audience perspective. So they not only changed their entire like inner workings of their business, but they delivered it to someone completely different. And I believe that if you're operating a business 
with a true core purpose and a true core ideology that means something to you, regardless of market changes uh, and customer changes, you should still be able to do the same thing and just package it to a different set of people. Yeah, that's a very good point. But I think I think the struggle people have is they they try to force that onto someone else. Yep. You know, um, in a hurry usually. So I'll use it. I'll use an example from from my past, um, moving into another market, taking a taking a pretty darn successful SaaS product that that was successful in a in a pretty small niche, and then saying, well, it will work here. Let's just peel the label off, stick a new one on. Mm-hmm. And say, here, new audience, buy this. Uh-huh. Um, it, it eventually was successful in that new industry, but we had to pull it back and say, why didn't it work the first go around? Um, and it was for a lot of different reasons. We had some bad assumptions of what they, what we thought they wanted. Um, the tool was what they wanted. It's just different industries use things differently. Uh, they operate them different in their business and so forth. So yeah, I think if we would have um, listened to everybody on our team. We would have learned that before mm-hmm. we went to market in the new industry because there were people telling us that, but we were just like, hey, it worked here. Yeah. It's going to work there. So interesting. Yeah, I love that. That's an awesome, um, I'm not going to try to say that word because I always butcher it. Cirque du Soleil. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's a, that's a great example. Um, and I think people will be able to use that um, and it will be able to correlate to their own life. Like, and yeah, yeah. Integrative thinking works in interpersonal relationships yeah. as well as I was again thinking about this prior to us talking about it I was thinking about um, areas in my marriage that could have re- resulted in really enormous <laughs> <Yeah>. conflict <laughs> um, but Kelsey and I were able to kind of maybe let that tension hang around a little bit longer yeah. but take a step back realize that neither of us had malevolent intentions really ponder on what could have been the other person's motivations and then reconvene have a civilized discussion about it this doesn't always work but it is it is a way that i've noticed we've successfully applied integrative thinking to our marriage that's resulted in a lot of growth and fruit uh that makes me think of something at that mastermind last week someone gave the example of maybe it was patrick or i don't know if it was pam um but patrick was giving a talk about um, procrastination and the conversation came up of people always running to the extreme mm-hmm. of like, if I launch this thing or if someone reads what I wrote or if I made music and someone hears it, they're going to think I'm terrible. Um, and so it was like trying to combat that extreme. I don't know what the word is for it. Um, you know, you rush to the worst case scenario. Um, and I think that's, that's an awesome thing to always have in mind but in this integrative thinking, that's also something that's really beneficial. Yeah. Um, where sometimes when you're working in a silo, you find yourself always running to one side only. You know, and thinking, it's always going to turn out terrible. Whatever I do, it's going to be bad. Whatever I do is going to fail. Whatever I do is not going to work. Um, and I think in integrative thinking, that's awesome if you can then swing or shift all the way to the other side. And so if you launch something, always thinking about it being bad, but what about on the other side of it, maybe it does X, Y, Z and it's wildly successful. You know what I mean? And the results will probably follow your vision provided you, you're accepting the right input. (laughs) Interesting. So yeah, that's a fascinating, that's a fascinating thing. Um, do we have any homework or 
um, takeaways that we want to bullet point? Uh, I I believe that the entire book, Blue Ocean Strategy, is written um, about integrative thinking or specific do you? Uh, implementations okay. of integrated. It's been so thinking. long since I've read that book. I know. Um, I, I had to dust it off on the bookshelf today, right, when I thought about this. Yeah, any other takeaways that you have? I would I would say if you could spend even ten minutes first thing in the morning or last last ten minutes of the day thinking about a decision that was big. So big meaning if it was stressful or if it took a lot of time, um, think about the process you went through. Um, in coming to that to that solution um, or that decision, and I think if you if you pause and you reflect on that, you'll probably find some flaws in your decision making. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not that the outcome is wrong, but um, I think you'll realize there are other ways and typically better ways to come to that solution. Um, and if you could maybe then just play it out in your head, like what if I did this, or what if I brought um, someone else in, because. Because a, a, a flaw of mine and a fault I have that just eats me alive um, is I have a bad habit of just, I'm like, I'll just figure it out myself. And, I, you know, I don't want to bother that person or we need to get this done by the end of the day, so I'm just going to do it. Um, and, you know, I would say seven out of ten times, it's, it's fine. The result is good. But there are those three times that if I would just pick up the phone or send a message in Slack or text message and said, hey, what would you do or how, do you, how would you solve this? I'd have, I would have probably accelerated whatever we were working on by a week or two or a month, you yeah, know? I can relate all too well. <laughs> so, all too well. Yeah, so I would, I would think about maybe, re, you know, in retrospect, think about a decision you made, but then just be conscious of what's coming up in the next one, two, three, four, five days and know that if there's something going on or a solution you're trying to, to get to or you got a big pending problem or whatever, maybe reach out to one or two people. And then just notice the change in how you navigate that. I think that's excellent. Excellent homework. Yeah. Cool. So we'll. Uh, there's a few things we talked about here that that'll need to go in the show notes, so you guys can you know look check out the book. Um, I've got a website I'll link to. We're uh, we're going to be back with a part three. Um, we're going to have a, a third guest. It's going to be a little a little bit different. Um, we're going to have Desiree Attaway from the Attaway Group join Andy and I to talk about just this integrative thinking model, but how your, but we're going to get a little bit more gritty on the personal bias aspect of it. So um, sometimes the stuff, you know, hinders your, your decision-making, Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so we're going to talk about that and how you can be conscious of that and use that to, to make yourself um, a better thinker and a deeper thinker and a bigger problem solver. So, yeah. Yeah. So Thanks for thanks for tuning in, guys, and yeah. well, really appreciate your time. And if you enjoy what you're hearing here, please please spread the word. Spread yes, the, yes. Spread the good word, <laughs> and uh, we want feedback. We want to be putting out stuff that's relevant to you. Yes. So if you're running into anything, any big problems uh, that you want us to address, or any topic that you think would be relevant, please shoot either of us a message. Comment yes. in on this. Cool. All right, dude. Thank you. Yeah. Until next time.
I almost feel like I've gone through multiple years of my life (laughs) that have been not nullified, but completely changed by a 10 minute conversation with somebody else. And it's like, wow, I've just been chasing uh, multiple rabbits. Um, 